Hello, everybody. This is Gerald Salenti, and it's Wednesday, January 24th, 2024. 2024, 2024. Must be a special day, and it is. We have with us Judge Andrew Napolitano. Uh, Judge, thank you so much for being here. And I say this every week, and I mean it with all my heart and soul. You know, I, I read your articles all the time every week. We, we talk about them. And what you write and what you talk about, nobody's talking about it. Nobody's talking about it. And it's all about really the foundation of America, what our founding fathers fought for and how we've lost it and how it just keeps getting worse. And it's about the Constitution. There was a thing called the Constitution and, and the Bill of Rights. We have no rights anymore. And you have an article that's coming out tomorrow and it's called Government by Experts. You go on to say, I've often thought that after Abraham Lincoln, Woodrow Wilson was our worst president. By worst is meant least faithful to the Constitution and most destructive of personal liberty. With the exception of Lincoln's dictatorship, during which the federal government used violence to crush the state's natural right to secede from the Union, they had voluntarily joined and instead brought about the systemic murder of 750,000 persons. America, from its founding to the early part of the 20th century, more or less enjoyed the James Madison model for the federal government. Judge, what you just wrote here, why... You must hate Lincoln. You probably <laughs> like slavery. How do I, you know? And that's, that's what they stupidity. that's what they say when I right. make that uh, make right. that argument. Yeah. The the um, idiots, the people that swallow the they're still in kindergarten right. listening to the kindergarten teacher. Right. The kindergarten teacher told them Lincoln freed the slaves and therefore the slaughter of uh southern and northern troops was uh was worth it. It's uh, it's such a farce. The Madisonian model of government, which with the exception of the, of the Civil War years we enjoyed, was that the federal government can only regulate and spend in the 16 discrete areas delegated to it by the Constitution. It was a limited government that stayed out of your face and it stayed out of the faces of the states. When Woodrow Wilson came along, he flipped that on its head, and we have had the Wilsonian model of government since Wilson was president. And that's the opposite of the Madisonian model. Madisonian model, limited to the 16 powers given to the uh, Congress under the Constitution. Wilsonian model, the federal government can regulate any behavior, tax any uh, event, intrude itself into any process so long as there is no specific prohibition on doing so in the Constitution. So it's the opposite of Madison. And one of the monstrosities that Wilson created, most Americans don't know this, Gerald. Your audience and my audience know this because we talk about it. One of the monstrosities Wilson created under his model of government is the administrative state, the fourth branch of government. It writes its own rules, it interprets its own rules, it enforces its own rules, it punishes its own victims 
totally independent of the other three uh, branches of government. Is it in the Constitution? No, it's not. What's an example of it? The Food and Drug Administration, the Environmental Protection Administration, the National Marine Fisheries Service. Who the hell has ever heard of that? Well, the National Marine Fisheries Service dictated a rule that you can only take so many herring and so many lobsters from the sea. And in order to enforce that sea, they put a federal agent on every boat and then and every lobster and herring boat. And then they sent a bill to the owner of the boat for the salary of the federal agent. Well, enough was enough for these fishermen and they challenged it. It went to a kangaroo court called the administrative court where the judge works for the same boss that the agency prosecutor does, the Secretary of Commerce. And of course, the judge and the Secretary of Commerce ratified their own rule. By the time this got to the Supreme Court, the Supreme Court ripped this thing apart in oral argument last week and may very well change the law, which says administrative agencies are not entitled to deference by the court. And the court can examine why they do what they do, because under the Constitution, only the Congress can write these laws. If Congress wants to say X number of lobsters, X pounds of, uh, of herring, in my opinion, that would be wrong, but it would be constitutional. But when some other entity in the government does that, that's not transparent, that is not answerable to the voters, that makes up its own rules, that claims it has expertise, and the court says defer to them, that's wrong. In my opinion, after that oral argument last week, all of that is going to change. So what happened to these guys, the, the lobster guys? Do they, they? Well, the case was argued before the Supreme Court uh, last week. We won't have an answer until April, but, but I read the transcript of the oral argument. Uh, and it's pretty clear to me that the court is going to not only reverse this crazy rule, uh, it's going to say when an administrative agency writes its own rule, there is no judicial deference to the agency. Right now, there's something called the Chevron Doctrine. It's named after a case involving Chevron oil. And it basically says when an administrative agency writes a rule because they're experts, back to Woodrow Wilson, government by experts, because they're experts, because they know more about what they're writing about, lobster and herring from the sea, parts per billion of a pollutant in the atmosphere, the courts cannot second guess them and the courts must defer to them. That's the Chevron doctrine. If the court gets rid of the Chevron doctrine and there's no judicial deference to administrative agency, then the administrative agency and the, and the challenger are equal in court. So right now you go into court. The administrative agency doesn't have to prove its case. The challenger has to disprove the government's case. That's absurd. That's the way it is or was in the Soviet Union. Even in Russia, the government is equal to the challenger. So I think this is going to change. Most Americans don't uh, know about this. And it's going to take the teeth out of these administrative agencies who've been regulating us to death. It's also going to say to Congress, hey, you want to write it? You want a law? You write it. And you justify that law to, uh, to the voters. You don't give it to some secret behind the doors group to write the law so that you don't have to take the heat for it. You, know, you said most Americans don't know about this. This is why I'm telling everybody, this is why you tune into the judge and you have to go to his, his, uh, 
his station, his podcasts, uh, Judging Freedom. What he's telling you and, and us and, and informing the people in the true spirit of America, you're not getting anywhere else. What you're talking about, judges, most Americans, you know, what we used to say in the Bronx, you know, most Americans don't know. You know, Yeah, they don't know. I, I can't use the language, but right, they, they, right. they're very, they, they're, they, they're totally tuned out. What you're telling this here, first of all, you talked about, you know, the, the, the experts in, in, the, in the government. You have to, you're being very disrespectful because if you look back at the COVID war, stand six feet apart. I'm an expert. You, you don't judge, you don't know what the hell you're talking about. The wind blows exactly in straight lines every six feet. Doesn't go up, doesn't go down. I'm an expert. I am in the government. Right. And when you go into a store, follow that arrow during the COVID war, you walk up that aisle and come back that aisle because the COVID knows which way you're walking and it ain't going to bother you. And when you go on an airplane, you better wear that mask. But when you take, when you're eating and drinking, you take it off, even though you're sitting around everybody because COVID knows when you're eating and drinking and it's not going to bother you. I'm a government expert. These are the same idiots are saying how many lobsters you should catch. Right. It's the same. It's the same mentality. It's the same arrogance. And you mentioned the six feet. I mean, the the champion of this arrogance, I'm sorry to say an Italian-American by the name of Dr. Anthony Fauci, just admitted under oath last week they made up the six feet yeah. rule, that there was no scientific basis no. for it whatsoever. Gerald, people went to jail for refusing to follow the six foot rule and it was made up and the courts refused to second guess it because it came from experts. experts. So what everybody needs to know, again, I was the assistant to the secretary of the New York state Senate. I was at the top right there. The people in government are the people I couldn't stand in high school and college that wanted to be class president or head of the student council. And all these quote, experts that work into the government system, they're bureau craps. They're little crap heads that can't get a job in the real world that suck into the political system, get these positions as experts and become the most arrogant, arrogant little pieces of scum on the planet. I had a guy over here at one of my buildings. You know the beautiful buildings I have? Yes. The 1763... Dr. Jensen house I had a leak in the roof. So I got the guys up there fixing the roof. My staff comes over to me. I said, Gerald, the uh, building department's here. They put a stop work order up. I go over there, big sign on the door, stop work order. The guy's right there. I ripped it off. The, I ripped it off. I said, what the hell is this? He said, you didn't get a building permit. I said, I'm not building anything. I got a leak in the roof. Well, the materials that you're using require a building permit. I said, you're full of crap. I said, get this in your head. I said, you're a public servant. You work for me. This is a disgrace. All you want is my money because you people don't work. And all you want to do is to keep stealing our money. So you don't have to work. And what happened? I had to get a building permit. 
And they uh. put a stop work order and the guy I hired to do the work, they wouldn't work because they didn't want to get fined. Right. And again, we call them shitty-its. Yeah. They're not idiots. They're shitty-its. I, 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 I did not. I did not. I did not know about this. This is terrible. This happened a, 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 about a month ago. And I'm telling you, all the guys, after I finished, they were so happy what I did. I yeah. screamed and yelled at this guy. And I, I said, the taxes that I pay here, the taxes that I pay here, and you're doing this to me? And a guy, a little coward, never, a little coward. Yeah. And that's what the people have to do. And that's what's lost in this Yo, country. But Gerald, here's what's lost on you. He's an expert. Yeah. I mean, it gets back to where we started. This is supposedly a government by experts, the people that know, they know more about holes and roofs and, and, and building materials than the rest of us do. Uh, it's really, it's really absurd. And it gets back to Madison uh, versus Wilson. It gets back to government well outside of the constitution, government doing whatever it thinks there's political support for, whatever it thinks it can get away with, whatever will enhance its own power and wealth. Back to your argument with this guy, you're taxing me, you want the permit because I have to pay for the permit. Whatever government can do to enhance its power and wealth it. and it thinks it can get away with, it will do. And that's the people aren't fighting. Right. The fight is gone. Right, right. But you the and fight I- is gone. You and I do our best to bring yes. that fight back. Both of our podcasts uh, present a substantially alternate uh, point of view. I mean, the point of view that we present, you don't see in New York Times, oh. uh, Wall Street Journal, New York Post, ABC, NBC, CBS, Fox, where I was for 24 years. You don't see it at anywhere. Oh. I mean, one of my guys just yesterday said, you know, we were talking about you the other uh, day, uh, Judge, and we can't believe that a former host at Fox is challenging the government uh, the way you are. And as he's saying this to me, this is live, somebody's writing in saying, Salenti and Napolitano should open up a pizza place. There'd be lines around the block. <laughs> <laughs> I've always yeah, wanted yeah, to own a pizza we, place. We to, we're both thankful of being, like I, I just did a, an interview on an Italian uh, television station. I said, I'm a blessed man. I said, I'm a Napolitano born in the Bronx. I said, my blood is Italian, but my heart's American. If I was born in Alta Vela, Pino, Vico, Quince, I wouldn't be me. I'm, I'm me because I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm an American. And right. that spirit is gone. You know, right. I want to go back to your article because you mentioned this part that I, I, I wanted to know more about. You said about under the this model, the federal government could only legislate, regulate, and spend in the 16 discrete areas of governance. What are those? some of those areas? Oh, establish a Navy, operate uh, a, a judicial uh, system, uh, preserve uh, patents, uh, regulate uh, interstate commerce, operate a post office. Truly federal things, not national, because a problem can be national, like COVID, but not federal, just federal things. Those are the uh, 16 discrete areas given uh, to Congress. But Congress, because the type of, well, you know, you just described him, the type of people that go into government want more power and more money. 
Yep. Uh, Congress has found ingenious ways. And when they pointed people of like minds to the federal courts, they've ratified these ingenious ways to to get outside the Constitution. So uh, I'll give you an example. Uh, if Congress wants to lower the speed limits on federal highways because they think it'll either save lives or save gas or be less polluting, it doesn't do any of the three, but if they want to do that, uh, last time they did that, they recognized there was no authority to regulate the speed limits. So they came up with this idea of bribing the states, mm-hmm. bribing the states. Yeah. They offered hundreds of millions of dollars to all 50 states to repave the federal highways in those states, providing the states lowered the speed limits on all the roads. South Dakota said, we don't have speed limits on our highways. There's no speed limits to lower. We'll take the cash, but we're not taking the strings. They sued and went all the way to the Supreme Court. Supreme Court said, you want the cash, you take the strings. What left-wing pinko president signed that into law? Ronald Reagan. Wow. So the the big government is everywhere. Government by bribery, it doesn't matter who the president is or what the the party uh, is controlling uh, Congress. Uh, Staying outside the Constitution, fools on the hill. Great cover. Great and great great choice, Jane. Uh, uh, Staying outside the Constitution is standard uh, operating procedure. Look at this clown. That's the Speaker of the House of Representatives. When he was a congressman from Louisiana, his voting record would be almost the same as yours and mine. Now that he's the Speaker of the House, he's like Nancy Pelosi. He's changed radically because he's part of the elite. He's part of the bosses. He's part of the uh, of the governing uh, team. So uh, the world looks very different on the outside looking in than the inside uh, looking out. This lust yeah, to dominate, to tell people how to live, to tell them how to use their own property, like with the roof on your uh, building, uh, to take their assets away from them. Uh, this is what we have uh, become today. And, and Americans need to fight against it. This argument in the Supreme Court, little noticed, Gerald, little noticed by the mainstream press, which is why I wrote this. Yeah, I had no idea. If the outcome is the way I believe it will be, it'll be a radical reduction in the power of the federal government. Not going to happen overnight, but it'll make a lot of these administrative agencies like this group, Maritime Fisheries, that nobody ever heard of. Uh, it'll it'll make these groups uh, not toothless, but but equal to the people that they are challenging. You know, back I began a part of my career. I was the number two guy running a major trade association, and I was also before that the government affairs specialist, and um, and it was the chemical industry, a, a part of it. But anyway, I remember when OSHA began uh-huh. back in the seventies. Where is that in the Constitution? Nowhere. I remember when it began. I remember the fighting against it and how they just pushed it right through. Right. Right. And now they're in total control. They so, the guys so you, tell me on construction jobs that OSHA's come by and they require this, require that, require this, require that, and keep breaking their chops over. And the and the laborers, most of whom are the salt of the earth, are terrified of OSHA. And of building inspectors, even when they know OSHA is wrong, because it's not an OSHA regulated project, even when they believe the building inspectors are wrong, because you're not building anything, you're just 
patching up uh, patching up the roof. So you asked me about the powers that Congress has. One of them is to regulate interstate commerce. What did that mean to Madison who wrote it? He meant to control the movement of goods between merchants over borders. So if you want to sell a wheelbarrow from Kingston, New York, to Trenton, New Jersey, as it crossed the border from New York and New Jersey, the feds could regulate it to make sure New Jersey wasn't charging a tariff to make <laughs> it fair for you to sell your wheelbarrow uh, in New Jersey. That's what it was written for. Today, the Interstate Commerce Clause allows Congress to regulate anything that would affect interstate commerce. They can regulate a Tupperware party because somebody might be selling Tupperware out of their living room that was manufactured in another state. And therefore, even though it's immeasurable, it affected interstate commerce. So we've gone from one extreme to the other. Uh, it's so sad what's happened to this country. And again, it, it, I don't, you know, I, I just want to, you know, you, you mentioned Madison and uh, excuse me, uh, 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 Woodrow Wilson and, and Lincoln with, was it their decisions or do you think it's other powers to be that are telling them what to do? Well, in Lincoln's case, I think it was his, um, uh, decision to, uh, kill and slaughter, uh, Americans. He said many times during the civil war, I hate to quote him, but he did say this war is about preserving the union. It's not about slavery. And of course, if you read the Emancipation Proclamation, it doesn't liberate anybody. It expressly preserves slavery in the five border states, which is one third of the Confederacy. Um, in the case of Wilson, I think he was riding the crest uh, of a wave. Uh, progressivism uh, was a wave that was uh, uh, overcoming governments everywhere. And he just decided to move it along faster. But he was really serving his masters uh, in the banks. Uh, and the large uh, uh, corporations, uh, he and Teddy Roosevelt, under the guise of regulating them, they were actually getting in bed with them. Ah. You know, the um, uh, it, it's just so, when you look at what's happened to this country, again, when, when you and I grew up, there were grocery stores, hardware stores, stationery stores, drug stores, and now they're all chains. And... Uh, Oxfam came out with a study. They do this every year when Davos meets. One percent of the global population, one percent owns over 40, almost 45 percent of all the global financial assets, you know, in the equity markets and, and et cetera. One percent wow. owns 43 wow. percent. You know why that is? It is not the free market that has caused them to accumulate that wealth. It's central banks uh, and government regulation. Yep. I mean, just the other day, uh, Ron Paul had a great piece. I saw it. I mean, these people are crazy. 250 billionaires sent a letter to Davos saying, please raise our taxes. Okay. Yeah. You, want to, you want higher taxes? Give, give the money to the government or... You give it away uh, however you want. Ron Paul says, no, don't raise their taxes. Get rid of central banking. Yep. And you will see prosperity popping up all over the place. Yep. They will lose money because they won't have the, won't be in bed with the government anymore. But the rest of us will become a lot more prosperous. 
interest rates will be a function of supply and demand, not the decision uh, of a bureaucrat in cahoots uh, with the uh, with the bankers. Uh, the super rich will no longer be getting bailouts like TARP from the federal government. They will no longer be getting cheap uh, under market loans like from the Import Export Bank, which of course comes from uh, American uh, taxpayers. It will be a level playing field. They'll never do it. Just, by the way, what is the Supreme Court ruled on the constitutionality uh, of the Federal Reserve? Yeah, never got there. No, the case has been challenged so many times it's never gotten to the Supreme Court. Scalia told me, God rest his soul, he thought that the concept of paper money and the concept of the uh, Federal Reserve would be found unconstitutional. Didn't get to the court. You know, Judge, before we go, I want to tell people about your your uh, your podcast that you do. The people you have on are phenomenal. And judging freedom. And and um, you could go to this site. Just give us a quick wrap up of some of the things that you've been talking about in the. In the well, Colonel uh, Douglas McGregor was a senior advisor to the Trump uh, Defense Department. The last two years of Trump's presidency is one of our principal go-to guys, a champion against American empire and American exceptionalism, a champion of bringing the troops home. Uh, Scott Ritter in the same uh, category, hands-on uh, chief weapons inspector uh, for the UN, conversant with the many, many European leaders before many of whom he has no respect whatsoever, but gives us great insight uh, into the way uh, they think. Professor uh, John Mearsheimer, one of the oh. foremost political theorists uh, of our era about how uh, all of our uh, battles uh, overseas and all of our troops overseas are consuming us, much like the Roman Empire uh, felt. Professor Jeffrey Sachs of Columbia University, oh. a liberal Democrat, but on foreign policy, as anti-neocon and as fa as strong an argument of bringing the troops home as you can imagine. Um, uh, Max Rosenthal and Aaron Maté, two young uh, Jewish American scholars, both of whom uh, lived in Israel, neither of them is 40, fierce opponents of the Netanyahu regime, fierce defender of the rights uh, of Palestinian uh, people. I could go on and on and on. It's gotten to the point where these top of the line people are calling me saying, you're going to have me on this week. You're going to have me on uh, this week. And, and of course, I say yes, because uh, my my audience, which is not a Fox audience, it's a anti-government, anti-war, pro-peace, pro-free market audience loves them. And they get to say what they want and not in three minute Fox-like clips, but in <laughs> half-hour conversations like you and I are having now. Yeah, so that's great. You know, anti-anti-war, pro-peace, anti-big government. Why? Why we we should be? Uh, they should put us in jail for that. I mean, <laughs> how, how dare we speak? Don't, like don't that. give them any ideas. <laughs> yeah. Actually, somebody sent me an email just yesterday saying, "We hear you're going to be arrested by the federal government." So, of course, I don't, you know. Yeah. But, um, Judge, thanks so much. 
Oh, by the way, did you see the cover of uh, this week's magazine? Yes, I did. You sent it to me last night. Yep, Jane, you can put that cover up. Right. Misinformation is our number one threat. Yep. Right. Did you see, uh, these are just absurd and laughable, but worth viewing. I ran them. Uh, Tom Friedman of the New York Times interviewed uh, Secretary Blinken. Bobblehead like this, agreeing with everything Blinken, uh, Blinken was saying. But Blinken hand-wringing at his worst. So we juxtaposed that with an interview the BBC did with uh, Foreign Minister Lavrov of uh, Russia, a serious, yeah. serious uh, statesman, uh, with a serious, deep thinker. It was like night and day. It was humiliating to watch uh, Blinken and compare him to Lavrov. I never thought I'd see the day that I'd be saying this. This is not anti-American. This is pro-humanity, pro-peace, exactly. anti-war. <laughs> this it's little clown Blinken, <clears throat> the daddy's boy, my daddy was ambassador to Hungary. My uncle was ambassador to Belgium. I went to Dalton and Harvard. And that arrogant little boy who's loved every war, since he's been sucking off the public tits since about 1994. This guy at Davos, oh, my heart is broken when I see what's happening to the Palestinians. And bypasses Congress to send a couple of hundred million dollars of our money and our weapons to keep slaughtering the Palestinians. That's the little freak you're talking about. So stupid. And unlawful. Stupid, yep. because why is he at the bypass Congress? Congress will give the Israel, Israel government whatever it wants. Violative of law, because he had to certify under, in order to bypass Congress, he has to certify under oath, A, it's an emergency, B, it's absolutely vital to American national security interests. I would defy him to allow me to interrogate him under oath and have him explain what is the American national emergency American national security interest at stake here, Mr. Secretary? Please explain, because you just said under oath that there is one. Yeah, so sad. So sad what's happened. We we again, as you well know, I want Napolit Judge Napolitano to be president of the United States. We'd have a whole different world here. Yeah. Judge, oh, thank by, you. by the way, by the way, Max Blumenthal challenged Bobby Kennedy to a debate on Israel with me moderating the debate. I said, of course, I'll do it yeah. at, the drop, uh, at the drop of a hat. You could sell tickets to that. Bobby hasn't answered. Bobby nah. hasn't answered Max, and Bobby hasn't answered my producers. Nah, he's a, he's a fraud. Shame. Again, look, look, we, he got rid of Dennis Kucinich, who was a speaker up here at my last rally. Right. That was his campaign manager, and Kucinich ran for president, what, twice as a peace candidate. Right. Got rid of him. And who did he bring in? His daughter-in-law? And what was the last job? An ex-CIA agent. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Your Uncle JFK would really be proud of you, Bobby boy. Mm. And I say that sarcastically. I know. Before. It hurts me because you yeah. and I once loved him before we saw what we were loving and before he he really turned on us on a couple of issues, not the least of which is uh, the slaughter in Gaza. Yep. Judge, thank you again for being here. And everybody, go to Judging Freedom.
because freedom, what it's all about, if you don't have freedom in your heart and soul, ain't going to be a happy time. Judge, thanks so much. Thank you, Gerald. All the best to you, my friend.